Did you know that Africa has the youngest population in the world? In fact, according to the United Nations, more than 70% of Africa and African people is under the age of 30. So how can Africa youth be better equipped and involved in the trading system? How can trade help them raise their living of standards and hope to bring more stability? How can trade can support inclusiveness and contribute to share prosperity? This and more today on the Trade for Peace podcast youth series. The opinions and statements expressed in the Trade for Peace podcast are entirely and solely those of the guest and the host. WTO Secretary takes no institutional positions on matter of policy or of the WTO membership. Welcome to the Trade for Peace podcast youth series brought to you by WTO Trade for Peace, future leaders platform from the accession division of the WTO Secretariat and the Knowledge and Information Management Division. My name is uh, Mustafa Sanijalab. I'm the Chief of the Knowledge uh, Management Section at the WTO, and I'm pleased uh, today to be invited uh, to be your host for this fourth episode of the Youth Series. Uh, the Trade for Peace Youth Series is a 30-minute podcast with youth engaged and interested uh, in trade, economic integration, peace building, and the cross-cutting topics that tie their concept together. Our guest today is a young professional trade practitioner and also inspiring leader that strives to make trade work for peace and the people. And the topic today is digital trade for youth inclusion and peace in Africa. Today, I'm very privileged to have with us Frances be a young professional in the Council and Trade Negotiation Committee, TNC Division of the WTO. Frances uh, was the lead Nigerian services trade negotiator working on the African Continental Free Trade Agreement for four years prior to joining WTO. Frances, welcome to our Trade for Peace podcast. Maybe before uh, we start the discussion, can you please tell us a bit about yourself and how did you get to the WTO? Well, thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to be here and to get to tell you a bit about my experience um, on this awesome podcast. So a bit about myself. I'm currently a young professional at the WTO in the Council and Trade Negotiations Committee Division. Um, I mostly work with the e-commerce and the general council team. So I'm doing a lot of supporting of the work and the meetings there, um, especially with regards to the negotiations. Um, Before coming to the WTO, I was a services trade negotiator on the African Continental Free Trade Agreement for four years for Nigeria. Um, And it was a really interesting experience. And I got here to WTO because I wanted to broaden my experience. I'm passionate about trade. I wanted to broaden my experience on trade and um, especially to kind of move beyond like just services, which has been a lot of my experience, but also learn more about digital trade and just have a greater understanding of the multilateral trading system. So it's been a great experience so far. So thank you so much, uh, Francis. And you mentioned that you have been working uh, during four years, you know, as a lead trade negotiator on on, on services, Uh, but also maybe if you can let us know uh, what motivates you more in terms of, you know, trade negotiation and what motivates you and makes you passionate, you know, about trade and and trade negotiation? Um, Well, actually, 
I, so when I first joined the Nigerian Office for Trade Negotiations, which is my previous organization, um, and I got into trade, I was working under the late um, Ambassador Chiodu Osakwe, mm -hmm. who um, was the DG at the time of my organization. And I'm just, he would speak so passionately about the potential that trade has for Africa and the, the potential that trade has for developing countries in terms of how it can help us to be able to get, create new opportunities for our, for our future and to really take control of our future um, and our future economic growth and advancement. And um, I think just like hearing his passion and just thinking so much, especially about the position of youth in Nigeria and how there is this desire for more from youth. There's this desire and need for opportunities and for growth. And I just could see how trade could play a role in that. And so that's really what got me passionate about trade. Um, I started working there with him on um, services and yeah, since then it's just been a really exciting opportunity to see. Um, it's just been great to see how trade has the ability to have a real impact on the lives of everyday people. Thank you, Francis. So, I mean, you, you clearly indicate that trade is part of the solution of the, the main challenges that the world is, is, is facing. And now let's move to, to Africa and particularly with the CFTA, the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, which is probably uh, the main matrix to really understand the dynamic of trade integration uh, in, into Africa right now. So you mentioned earlier that prior to join uh, the WTO, you work for four years as a lead Nigerian uh, services trade negotiator on the, on the CFTA. Can you please tell us more about your experience concretely about what does it mean to be a, 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 a lead Nigerian services trade negotiator on the CFTA? Well, that it was honestly a really exciting experience because, um, I mean, honestly, it was formative for me in a lot of ways, getting the opportunity to help draft Nigeria's services schedule for the AFCFTA, um, getting to be the founding secretary for the Nigeria Coalition for Services Industries. So I was able to teach, like, at, learn very actively what services trade was and, you know, what, what trade incorporated the details and the specifics of our of the language in the multilateral trading system and then be able to teach that to other people to people in the private sector to people in other parts of the government um, in that role and then being able to really work together with um, other stakeholders to draft and to develop the services schedule and then of course going to all of the negotiations very exciting yeah <laughs> very exciting attending all of the negotiations and like really getting to see in real time how we are, are putting down policies, laws, potentially that could shape the future of the country, that could shape the future of the continents and the world. It was just so, such a really passionate and exciting experience for me. Wow. So, so yeah. shaping the future of the country, shaping the future of the continent in terms of trade and services, I think it's, it's, it's really amazing. And, and which will be the one thing you took away from from this experience. I know it's 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 not easy because you have done so many things. But if you have maybe to 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 to, to let us know one key achievement or, or takeaway from this experience as lead services negotiator, uh, what would it be? Well, I would say that one thing I would I really took away from that experience, um, you know, on advocating really on behalf of my country was the importance of involving stakeholders. 
in the process. Nigeria's um, negotiation, especially in that time for me, and just like witnessing, you know, the, I guess the political side of, of, of trade really, and like noticing how important it it is to incorporate like you know the private sector the public sector and all the stakeholders really in the process was very pivotal to my experience um actually there was a time in in the um in the whole like process where it, like Nigerian stakeholders made it very clear that it was important for them to be involved in what was happening with the AFCFCA. And what I noticed is that if you have the stakeholders involved in it, it's much more likely that the in the in the development of a negotiation and in the in and in the putting forward of negotiating positions, then it's much more likely that implementation will be easier because they are already invested in the process. They will already be willing to organize around what you have put, put forward in the negotiations. So that's what I learned really and took away. No, it's, it's inspiring. And, and uh, you know that uh, you mentioned stakeholders, you mentioned inclusiveness, and, and really how to bring all stakeholders, you know, into this trade policy formulation. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know that uh, uh, if you look at the preamble of the Marrakesh Agreement, uh, you will see that also that one of the main goals of the WTO is also to increase the, the living standards, you know, of our population and also how to make sure that trade could be part of the solution in terms of poverty reduction, to, in terms of shared prosperity. What potential do you see for the CFT in terms of connecting and, and, and raising uh, living standards in Africa? Well, I think that the CFC is really exciting to me because this is really the first time for a lot of African nations to really engage in looking at a 21st century landscape for trade and really try to address within their economic policies. You know, for a lot of African countries, most of our trade agreements are, are focused on goods because that is what we have mostly focused on when it comes to engaging global trade. And when it comes to engaging global value chains, it's mostly centered on goods. But with the AFCFTA for the first time, a lot of African, for first time for a lot of African countries, we're negotiating things like services. We're negotiating things like digital trade. We're negotiating things like, women and youth protocols. These are huge advancements for us that we've never really had a lot of opportunity to kind of like look at in this landscape of multilateral trading. And so I think that that's really key. Another thing is just that like intra-African trade is dismal, to be honest, but it's just, it has a lot of difficulties and it's not significant enough to make the kind of impact it could on, on the African continent. And so by addressing it through the AFCFTA and lowering trade barriers within the continent, it, it could really lead to a lot of advancement, not just for Africa, but for the world, so that the world can better engage with trade, in trade with Africa. Yes, indeed. I think you name it, you mentioned that the CFTA could uh, reduce, you know, the kind of trade barriers, you know, uh, African countries are facing, but also boosting intra-African trade. How do you see the relationship between boosting intra-African trade, sharing prosperity and stability, peace in Africa? Yeah. I think the truth is that I feel that a lot of Africa's um, like stability problems, political instability and social instability problems come from poverty. I think that a lot of them are rooted in 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 the lack of of hope and and the lack of opportunity perceived by the typical person in Africa. Um, 
But if there is that collaboration that exists through this, through the AFCFTA, and a greater engagement, not only by creating more opportunity for people, but also by bringing various African nations to the forefront so that there's this external driver and willingness to facilitate and, and maintain stability for an easier trading environment. I think that together, this can really bring forward more peace within the continent, more stability within the continent. I mean, trade has been known to, to kind of facilitate those conversations and to support those conversations towards peace and to, because it engages people and, and nations in a way that is um, very tangible. Trade is very tangible. And so because it does that, it, it creates a space for an unwillingness to create more peace and more stability. So that's what I, I that's how I feel that trade and the AFCFC could contribute to peace enhancing efforts. No, thank you. I think you already started, you know, the core of the discussion we'd like to have during this talk about how trade uh, could support inclusiveness, but also could support shared prosperity in Africa. Uh, recently, uh, Dr. Ngozi uh, mentioned that a strong CFTA also supports a strong WTO and multilateral trading system. According to you, what needs to be done in order really uh, to make the CFTA a strong you know, agreement and, and making sure and how to translate the CFTA promise into tangible, tangible you know, effects as you already started to mention? I think something that I really appreciate so far about the AFCFTA is the general focus on not just like legal policies, because of course, if you look at the legal policies within the AFCFTA and just the framework it's based off of, it's very much WTO plus agreements. Um, it uses a lot of the roots and the foundations of the WTO to kind of guide um, a lot of the conversations and the initial, what is contained, the provisions within the, um, the agreement. But beyond that, what I've seen so far is that it has facilitated implementation through, you know, creating a space for these conversations to, to like really re-examine what is trade for Africa in the 21st century. What is what commitments have we already made at the WTO? What commitments are we now making at the AFCFTA? What is the difference? What have we implemented and what have we failed to implement? And how can we practically include, even within the AFCFTA provisions itself, how can we include ways to implement these provisions? There are, there are things such as, you know, like mechanisms and systems and institutions that are baked into the AFCFTA provisions that are supposed to facilitate implementation. And that's one thing that I think is, is interesting and unique, I think. No, thank you. Thank you so much, Frances. I think, you know, you, you, you have nailed it. You have really, I, I mean, uh, emphasize uh, how also the CFTA could be used as a game changer in terms of, you know, transforming uh, the, the, the nature of, of trade flows. Uh, within Africa and how also to use the CFTA as an enabler also uh, to export, to trade more, not only within Africa, but also outside Africa. I think this is something uh, uh, important and, and thank you for that. Now let's move, if you, if you wish, uh, to the third topic of this, of this talk about, you know, uh, digital trade in Africa. Uh, you know that the future of trade is going to be green, uh, it's going to be more inclusive. Uh, it's going to make sure also that you know there's women empowerment, but also it's going to be digital. So let's move to the digital aspect of of, of trade in Africa. Recently, uh, you participated uh, as a discussant, uh, you know, in, in a book uh, talk organized uh, by the Knowledge Management Division, 
which focused on digital trade in Africa. And this book was uh, is written by uh, a team from South Africa and led by uh, Professor Wilma Vivier. Uh, can you tell us what the event was about and, and according to you, uh, why digital trade is also something important for, for the continent? Yeah, the the talk was really informative for me, honestly. And once again, I thank the Knowledge Management Division for including me there. Um, it was really great to see substantial and tangible research done on the impact of digital trade on employment in Africa. Because there are some, I guess, hypotheses and suspicions that I had prior to going into the reading of the book regarding how digital trade could impact African employment. Um, and one of my suspicions was just really on how, I guess, digital trade would, of course, just naturally lead to more employment across the board for African countries. But I also noticed that there was a hesitancy in general when it comes to digital trade by especially the governments of various African countries regard because there's this fear that it could also hinder um, labor and hinder the labor market because, it, of course, digital trade could maybe like replace us replace people um, in, the, in the space. But what I noticed and what I learned from the book was that actually it doesn't necessarily do that for Africa. It actually, in, in a lot of instances, it actually enhances the labor market and creates more opportunities for the labor market. Not always, of course, and not all types of digital trade, but I thought that that was really illuminating for me. And, it's, and I think that that, um, that book and that event in general was just really, it was, was a significant contribution to the, um, to the need that Africa has for digital trade statistics. In the, in the country, in the continent, because it isn't easy to get. And so I think this is an important tool for us. Thank you. Fr Frances, tell us, you, 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 you were a negotiator. Mm -hmm. You have been working you know, to, to defend, but also to uh, uh, formulate the position of Niger at your country in terms of services negotiator, negotiation. Sorry. How is digital trade different from the traditional trade? And, and what complexities does this bring to the negotiation process? Well, um, digital trade is very similar to traditional trade, of course, because it's still about the exchange of goods and services and demand and supply and meeting the needs of a consumer. Um, but the way, real way in which it is different is that it incorporates the use of digital tools to meet these needs of consumers and it incorporates the use of digital tools in the trade and exchange process. So when it comes to the, the impact and the complexities this brings to consumers, or rather to trade negotiators, um, when we're discussing it, it is such a new space that a lot of the language has not been set in stone yet. And so because of that, a lot of the negotiations involve coming, trying to find common ground in language, you know, trying to find, okay, what are digital goods? What are digital services? What are, um, you know, like, what does it mean? What, what is the definition of digital trade? You know, just fundamental things like this are still being hammered out really in these discussions. And because of that, um, that, of course, brings a whole uh, new dimension to the negotiations. Another part is just the formatting. Like, what does a digital trade agreement look like? What are, like, does it, will it have a similar approach to something like the services scheduling or, or good scheduling? What are the impacts of these already agreed on schedules that have existed for so long? Now that we're bringing digital into them, 
what does that mean for the negotiations that are happening on digital trade? Um, so these are some really interesting um, complexities that I think that digital trade brings to the forefront. Okay, Francis, no, thank you so much. Uh, now I would like to move to the question of inclusiveness, uh, connectivity, and what we uh, sometimes say about this uh, digital and gender gap, you know, in terms of digital trade. How can Africa fill the digital and, and gender gender gap? And, and can you tell us more about the experience, you know, of your country in Nigeria on that aspect? Yeah. It, Nigeria has had a very um, interesting, I think, relationship with digital trade because Nigeria is definitely one of the largest fintech economies in Africa. Fintech is a huge industry in Nigeria, um, financial technology, and, um, and digital trade and the digital economy is something that Nigerian youth especially are very passionate about. And they see it as an opportunity for, like almost like, uh, like I stated actually at the book talk um, the other week, they see it as an opportunity for like, like, like the Wild West really, as an uncharted, as uncharted territory, but like with a lot of potential for growth, a lot of potential for advancement. And so when it comes to filling in that digital and gender gap, um, policy support is vital. It is very important to have an increasing openness, but of course, if there is, and of course there will be, need for regulatory support to facilitate the incorporation of digital trade into the rest of the economy, and also to facilitate uh, African youth's participation in the global digital trade market, really. Um, something that I've noticed that's very key to address this digital and gender gap, and that has been, you know, a discussion here at the WTO, of course, when talking about the digital divide, um, but also at home, um, just in general with the private sector, is this need to kind of create more, um, to build, to bridge that capacity gap, to address digital skills and capacity building, and to address issues such as energy and cheaper data. Because right now, of course, there is all of, there is this, um, there's passion, there's innovation, there's there's a desire to to use um, you know digital as a space where there can be at like almost unlimited growth. But then there's also a need for like at greater access. You know, of course, digital is going to be less competitive for for African nations unless these issues can be addressed. These fundamental issues of of access to data, to mobile, to um, and even digital skills, capacity building. You know, that's a huge thing. I think, especially for gender. Um, you know, like creating more opportunities for women um, and marginalized people to have. Um, you know, a better understanding of digital technology so that they can also participate in this environment. Another thing that I kind of noticed for Africa as well is just that like the use, the really innovative use, I think, of like digital, um, of digital tools to meet our specific needs. Um, something that I, I feel like is really key is, for example, like how things aside from data. So there's this way in which like uh, mobile networks are used to kind of create mobile banking and to address mobile banking without using data, bypassing data, but using like like landlines and, and not landlines, but you know, using mobile connectivity to address these issues. And that's not something, and that's something directly born of the needs of the continent. But yeah, that's just generally what I see 
as a way that Africa could kind of start bridging that digital and gender gap. Thank you. So you, you clearly mentioned that mobilizing resources, uh, both domestically, but also internationally, to uh, uh, fill this digital gap yeah. is something you know very important in order really to ensure uh, inclusiveness, but also to translate into concrete, you know, uh, economic and positive impact yeah. uh, the uh, potential of digital trade in Africa. Now, thank you very much. And I think you 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 clearly now mentioned the transition about youth, mm -hmm. uh, uh, trade for peace, and 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 youth. You mentioned you know uh, the role that uh, youth could have in order to be part. Uh, of this uh, new uh, way of doing business uh, uh, in Africa, thanks to the CFT, but also thanks to the new technologies. So according to you, Francis, what are the main challenges uh, the youth currently face in Africa? I think some of the main challenges really are some things I've mentioned already, employment, opportunities for growth and advancement, worry, a general sense of, of unease, that there will be space for us when the time comes for us to really rise to the front in our in our own countries. You know, the there are there are concerns that you know will there be enough development in our countries for there to be employment opportunities for African countries, especially since the the population growth rate in most of Africa is is much more than the employment growth rate, and so. Because of that, that fear is very real for a lot of African countries, a fear of, of for African youth, a fear of not being able to compete globally as well. Um, and that's why I think they rely so heavily on digital trade as an opportunity, not just for you know, potential employment, but also for potential skills um, competitiveness. Really. Right. You know, um, so I think that's a huge thing. Another thing is just the environment and green technology. I think for a lot of people, um, the environment and the impact of climate change on Africa is huge. Right. It's already making waves in, in a lot of our countries with flooding and, and all and other similar extreme weather that we have not faced before. Right. And so that is something that young Africans do see as a, as a potential issue that needs to be faced and to be addressed, whether through trade or other means. And tell us, do you believe that the CFTA has potential to resolve or improve any of the challenges faced by the youth? Yes, yes, I do. I believe that the CFCA does have that opportunity, especially since there is this women and youth protocol that is being considered and worked on to kind of like very tangibly address the, the issue of inclusiveness um, of young people in trade agreements. I think that that's really key. Um, and I do think that the AFCFTA, um, I mean, it's already creating spaces and platforms kind of unofficially, but, but platforms for organizing of the private sector around the AFCFTA and creating those uh, continental value chains within, within Africa. Fantastic. So uh, you mentioned the, the digital uh, uh, trade as a, a potential to create new opportunities. Uh, you also talk about, you know, uh, green economy and how to greener trade, or, or which will be other promising sectors uh, uh, that the youth could contribute to in yeah. terms of development uh, and how it could be more explored, you know, in order to create jobs, decent jobs, uh, and also to make sure that it is sustainable. Yes. 
Well, one thing already, I mean, something that has already been um, a huge area for, for African youth still that I think that people may not realize is, is agriculture. That has always been an area and it's something that even now with the, you know, the, I guess, attractiveness of digital trade, there's still a lot of movements towards agriculture and how to actually modernize agriculture in Africa um, through the use of digital trade. But other areas that I think are key to consider, culture and education. Education drastically needs reform in Africa, really. It needs, um, it, it's pivotal and actually something that um, that came up in a previous conversation is just the important, how education does shape the future of the continents in a very real way, especially in terms of building capacity for human for human capital. But, um, and I do think it needs reform and I think that it could help with that, that youth could contribute to reform in education. And also with culture, I mean, youth are already driving a lot of cultural um, innovation, whether it's music or food outside of the continents, within the continents um, and tourism. That's a huge thing that um, I think young people are very attracted to being involved in and um, and could continue to make significant contributions to. And Nigeria is very active on the cultural economy, right? Yes, very much so. Exactly. So, Frances, I mean, you are speaking from the perspective of a young and talented woman who has worked in a key position in the government as a lead services negotiator, uh, as a young professional here at WTO working on, on trade negotiation. How important uh, is to have more youth in such positions? And what does it bring that is new and that is needed? Well, I do think that um, it is really important to have young people in these spaces because they bring a different, I think a different level of urgency and a different perspective on what can be done. Right, what needs to be done. There's there's a hyper awareness that young people have of the not just the current circumstances and what's coming close, what's like coming soon, but also of the future and like a future uh like focus, really. There's this desire to kind of address some of the issues that are, you know, and create a better world for themselves. And I think that that's something that youth being involved in the decision-making process is really key to, to um, doing really because they have this fresh perspective. Um, and also, especially on newer issues like green, digital trade, they have, a, a, I think, a greater stake. And how do you see this evolution in Africa? I mean, the contribution of yours in shaping the future of our continent? I think that it's been really, I think the fact that the women and youth protocol is being like, you know, it had, was later on added on to the AFCFCA agreement. I think that shows the increase of like access to our voice, to young people's voice in the continent. Um, aside from that, I think that it is like, we're starting to see a lot more young people, not just leading um, businesses and, 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 you know, businesses that are getting a lot of support internally within the continent, but also externally, um, but also seeing a lot more young people vying for, uh, you know, government's uh, positions, whether within the civil service or outside of it, um, within politics. And I think that that's really exciting to see because it shows a stake and a willingness to transform Africa. Absolutely. So uh, the future of trade is, is green, as you say, is digital, is inclusive, but is also yours and, mm -hmm. and how to make sure that, you know, you are also part of the solution. So thank you so much for bringing your perspective on, on this aspect of the talk. 
Uh, now, if you agree, let's move to the uh, rapid fire segment, which is a kind of a very uh, quick question where you can just tell us, you know, your your response in in a, in in a very short way. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Uh, a, a youth guest you would like to see in our podcast? Uh, Shreda, she is also a young professional here, but she is from, I think she could bring some really interesting information um, regarding LDCs, especially considering that's a huge topic here right now at the WTO. Absolutely, absolutely, LDC and how to uh, make sure also that uh, uh, we can talk about uh, LDC. So one question, your favorite Niger food? Oh, I'm, I'm going to like cheat on this and say that I love Ofada rice. And I love uh, pounded yam with bangasi. So ofada rice is uh, south is a southern. Both of these are southern dishes, actually, in Nigeria. And I'm from the south. Okay, so I think next time you should bring. Yes, <laughs> I would happily do so. <laughs> Which place do you prefer, uh, Abuja or Virginia? This feels like a trick question. <laughs> well, um, of course, Geneva is actually one of my favorite places in the world. I've lived here. I lived here when I was. Uh, Oh, a teenager as well um, because of my dad's job and so I, I always will love Geneva but Abuja is home and there's no place like home. Okay, I think you are yours but you are also a strong diplomat. <laughs> uh, 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 advice for the youth in one sentence. Make your voices heard and do whatever it takes to do so because your perspectives and your ideas are really important for building a better world. Your, your, I guess, yeah, your perspectives and your drive and passion is important for getting us to where we need to be. Fantastic. And the last one, one thing you would like to see happening in, in 2023. More active focus on how the environment can be more actively approached, like environmental issues can be more actively approached and urgently attended to at a multi lateral level. I think it's just really key to see how we can kind of start addressing some of these um, environmental issues at a multilateral level in a coordinated way with bite, with a, in a way that like really makes nations take that next step forward. So make your voice heard, but also make your green voice or sustainable voice you know, heard also as well. Yeah. Okay, great. No, thank you. Thank you very much, Francis. Uh, would like to, to 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 end this podcast with one last question, uh, in just one word. Uh, uh, what does trade for peace mean to you, uh, and why? Community building. That's what it means. Community building. Yeah, working towards a shared objective that builds a stronger sense of community and deeper network ties. So yeah. Fantastic, inspiring. Thank you very much. This uh, was our Trade for Peace Future Leaders. Uh, Francis, uh, thank you for joining us today uh, on Trade for Peace and sharing with us your story, your experiences, uh, and thank you as well for your impactful uh, uh, words and work you are doing here in the Secretariat on, on trade and peace and how to make trade more inclusive, how to make trade more sustainable, and how to make use heard you know, in this uh, uh, environment. So thank you so much to our listeners. Thank you for uh, tuning into our episode, Digital Trade for Youth, Inclusion and Peace in Africa. Don't forget to uh, follow us on our social media channels. Uh, we are present on Twitter and LinkedIn as Trade for Peace. Thank you so much. And I was very pleased to be with you today, Francis. Thank you for having me.